Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Scholarly Communication, the podcast about how knowledge gets known. I'm Avi Stamen, co-host of Scholarly Communication. In addition to podcasting, I'm also the CEO of Academic Language Experts. At Academic Language Experts, or ALE for short, we help academic scholars, researchers, and science professionals with translating, editing, writing, writing, and publication support for their research. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Chris Gertheis. Chris is an associate professor of modern and contemporary Japanese history at SOAS University of London. He's a founding series editor of the scholarly monograph series SOAS Studies in Modern and Contemporary Japan, published in association with the UK publisher Bloomsbury. From 2014 to 2019, he was chief editor of the Japan Forum, the journal of the British Association for Japanese Studies. He's currently in a five-year residence as associate professor and academic editor for the International Publishing Initiative in Humanities and Area Studies at the Institute for Advanced Studies on Asia at the University of Tokyo. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Really looking forward to chatting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. That, that, that all sounds very impressive, but in truth, it, yeah, I'm not that impressive, so... <laughs> I beg to differ, but we'll, we'll, we'll let the audience decide for themselves by the time we're done with the interview. Um, so tell us a little bit about your journey to being come, to just becoming interested in Japanese uh, history uh, in general. I assume, do you have any Japanese roots? Is it something you came across in your studies? How'd you come upon it? Yeah, uh, it, it goes back to college uh, in the in the uh, yeah late nineteen eighties. Um, a friend of mine handed me a campus newspaper that had an ad for an exchange program in it. Um, the exchange program was with Stanford University called uh, Volunteers in Asia. Uh, at the time, they they were uh, really the pioneers in in, in putting English language um, resource people in in Asia. They you know they started in Vietnam during the Vietnam War and and Hong Kong and 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 sometime in the nineteen sixties were began sending. Uh, volunteer teachers to Japan to work in remote schools. And, and uh, uh, I, I, I signed up to go to China because, you know, um, uh, 
that was, you know, that, that seemed the most interesting to me at the time. But uh, in their wisdom, the selection committee decided to send me to Japan. Uh, and I was too stupid at the time to know the difference. Uh, and, uh, and then from there, it was it came from spending a, a year, a year and a half in, in uh, an industrial city in, in central Japan. Uh, and uh, when I got back, uh, everything was different. I, I had a new set of interests and um, took different classes and, and then later decided to go to graduate school. So when you showed up for the first time in Japan, you, I assume, did not speak, did not understand Japanese, speak Japanese. You kind of learned on the fly. Is that right? Yeah. The, the, the most arrogant of decisions ever in my life was to assume that that would be okay. Uh, but no, I was an idiot. And, and I did. I, I, I came to Japan that first time with very little preparation, even though I was supposed to by the rules of, of the organization. Um, I kind of shined that on and, and didn't do it. Uh, luckily, you know, Japan's very forgiving place. The Japanese are, are very forgiving people. And even though they knew I was an idiot, they decided to help me learn. Uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, it, it really I really it really worked out. Got it. And then from there, uh, you don't need to necessarily go through the entire history, but from what I understand, um, you went back to the UK um, and took up a teaching uh, position at SOAS and then ended up, uh, I guess, in a number of years later, going back to uh, Japan to, um, to, to, to the University of Tokyo. So can you just tell us about kind of a little <laughs> bit about how, how that happened? Well, actually, I'm a Californian, and so everything started for me in California, in the Bay Area of California. And, um, after finishing up my undergraduate degree at UC Santa Cruz, I, I worked in the uh, software business briefly. Uh, that was a, a, a dismal a dismal disappointment. Um, if I had stuck with it, I, I would have been retired by now, like my friends from college. Um and uh, decided to go to graduate school, um, decided to do University of Iowa, which is right in the middle, uh, which is where I met my, my wife uh, in, in Iowa. Uh, studying Japanese history in the middle of the United States was uh, a, a bold decision uh, and one that many people didn't understand at the time. But my, my, my mentor, uh, Stephen Vlastos, uh, uh, was brilliant, and, and I owe him everything. He, he, he trained me up. He took a, a very raw, uh, underqualified person and, and, and helped that person, me, become a, a good scholar. Um, taught at a few places in the U.S., did a couple of postdocs, uh, and then ultimately in 2009 got to the U.K. Um, uh, with the position at SOAS. And, and then from there, it's, it's been quite a, a trajectory. Um, I guess you could call your career a journey eastward. Yeah, uh, I used to call it my life between Japan and America, but but now it's my life between Japan, America, the UK, and Europe. Um, I, I threaten I threaten my wife every once in a while that, that maybe there's a there's a, a fellowship that we can get in Antarctica. Uh, and, uh, she doesn't think it's very funny, um, because I do have this tendency of uprooting us and, 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 and asking her to, 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 uh, try one more place. So, but no, we're back in Tokyo now. We've been here for three years and, and, uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a terrific place to be. The, the Hongo campus of the University of Tokyo is really quite beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful being surrounded by, uh, brilliant, brilliant people. 
many of whom share my interests, uh, especially uh, broadly speaking, uh, within the, the Hongo campus. And, and it, it, it's been fantastic to work with people here. Got it. So what actually brought you to uh, the University of Tokyo and um, the International Publishing Initiative? Yeah, um, as I understand it, back in 2017, 2018, the president's office, the university president's office, uh, pulled together a a pot of money to to fund two positions, uh, one in the humanities and and one in the social sciences. And uh, those positions were specifically set aside on a a five-year contract uh, to hire someone who could come and work uh, with scholars in, in either, you know, humanities or social sciences uh, in publishing books in English. Um, you know, the, the president's office, I think, correctly identified that, that the, uh, the universities that they felt that they were in, in, in competition with or the universities that were part of their, their cohort, uh, humanities and social science people publish books in English. Uh, and uh, Todai hasn't uh, had a big or good record of that. Well, you know, a, lot of, a lot of publications in other languages, but not so much in English. Um, uh, so I applied for the post and, and I interviewed. They flew me into Tokyo. I interviewed for both positions, actually. Uh, the one in the humanities and one in the social sciences. And and, and near as I can figure, they, they cut a deal. The two comp- organizations cut a deal and they decided that I would come over here to the Institute for Advanced Studies on Asia. And that my, my, my colleague, uh, 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 James Babb, uh, uh, who they also hired out of the UK would 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 be the representative or the UTIPIP person in social sciences, uh, and and we've been working together for the off and on uh, in different ways through the pandemic. Uh, everything moved, you know, everything changed considerably. But the idea is to provide resources for people who want to publish books in English. And what do you attribute the? You know this. You said that the, the uh, you know president's office you know marked this as a priority. So obviously, um, you know, being sort of keeping up with um, the other universities. But is there? Do you, can you know as a historian, can you point to any sort of uh, historical trends that maybe have led um, Japanese academia to um, want or or need to become more involved in uh, the conver- the global conversation, or at least the conversation that's happening in English? Yeah, I mean, I think the driving force is the sciences, where the, where the global conversation is in English, and has been since it was in German and French. Uh, this is you know Pax Americana, uh, you know the the, the American uh, cultural and intellectual hegemony, uh, is 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 the reality that that the sciences have been working within for a while, uh, and I think that the the ask me take your take your time take your so. Chris, tell me, um, it seems, you know, as a historian, you maybe have, I'm sure you have an interesting perspective on why the University of Tokyo, or maybe just Japanese or Asian universities in general, um, have made it a point of emphasis to try and become more involved in uh, the, the, the global conversation in English, which for better or for worse, seems to be, you know, primarily the, the, the lingua franca of, uh, of academic research. Um, because I'm, I'm, I, from what I understand, it wasn't always the case. Yeah, right. Um, it, it, it's being driven by the sciences, and and um, 
you know, good science uh, requires being able to publish in, in English and mathematics, right? You got to be able to do both. Uh, and that, that, that publishing uh, uh, world is, is entirely um, uh, in English with, with uh, uh, the, the journal Nature being at the pinnacle. Of, of, of that publishing framework. Uh, true for medicine as well. And the humanities and social sciences uh, in Japan have, have lagged behind. There's, there's, a, there's a strong culture for publishing articles in English, um, but very little for books. And, and if you were to look at the Ivy League, uh, social science and humanities uh, scholars, they, they generally uh, all at least publish a book before they retire. It, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, and it's an important thing. Uh, the book is is by far the the most important technology for transferring knowledge, especially complex knowledge. Uh, and and so the the university's president's office clearly felt that the best way to get the humanities and social sciences back in the in in into the the race is, was to bring in some some outside support. Yeah. So I'm. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. It sounds like um, you're, you know, a proponent of the longer, um, you know, form uh, writing, or at least in, in the in the appropriate circumstances. And it's interesting because, as you said, this may not have necessarily have to do with, you know, uh, specific regional pressures, but it may come more from, you know, from the from the remuneration and, and, and promotion system, whereby it seems like maybe books are not given their uh, place or at least in certain subjects. So, can you make the elevator pitch or the uh, yeah. <laughs> the quick argument for, for why for, you think it's so important well, to? Well, I mean, I, I think I think in history, uh, of course, the, the the driving force is the book, and, and we do publish articles, but but the book is the thing that we do as historians. But sociology, anthropology, uh, linguistics, uh, education, the, the the article is, is certainly uh, the the driving force of scholarship. And uh, so in that sense, uh, the primary importance is, is being able to publish internationally in English. It's very difficult to publish internationally in Japanese. Uh, and I, I laugh, uh, but, but it's, it's true that anything that's only published in Japanese uh, just doesn't reach the audience that, that it should. Even if you publish an, uh, an abstract in English, uh, no one's going to um, uh, learn Japanese in order to read your article. And, and um, so getting that out is, is, is important. Pushing a book uh, is, is really about uh, reaching that, that, that point in one's career where one has a, a certain gravitas and, and, and something complicated that they want to say. Uh, and if, if, they, if they do want to do that, then I'm, I'm here to help them do that. Uh, it's there's there's something about taking five or six article length pieces of work and 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 writing them together that that individually not any one of those pieces could stand on its own, but but all together uh, say something far more than you could say in ten or twelve thousand words. Uh, there are certainly books of one hundred and thirty thousand words that should never have been written. Uh, uh, and, and sometimes you finish a book and you say, boy, that could have been 12,000 words. Um, but, but, but by and large, if it were possible to, to say what's in a book in, in 10,000 words, we, we would. And, and, um, 
there's something about this technology, and I keep referring to it as a technology, it's a, it's a knowledge transfer technology uh, that we've had for so long now, right? I mean, uh, Gutenberg began printing books in the 17th century, 16th or 17th, 17th century. Uh, but but, the, but the, the, the flat page book goes, goes way back in time. Uh, and it's, uh, it's more than just about promotion to me, though, though I am very empathetic to, to that need. Uh, but, but certainly within the University of Tokyo, there's very little promotion requirement that requires publishing books in English. Articles, yeah. but, but not so even though, so. right. So even though there may be a, you know, they're coming to you or, or, or you're setting up the um, initiative for, to support, it's not necessarily, hasn't necessarily creeped into the requirements um, for, so it's probably still an uphill battle for you to convince scholars the importance of it um, if it's not credited. Well, yeah, and, and I can't convince them and, and they have to feel it and, and, and it has to be something that's important to them uh, be, because it's, it, there's, there's no gun to their head. There's no, uh, there's no raise. There's no attaboy. Uh, there's no promotion. Um, there is a, a, a larger audience of scholars that they'll be able to reach. And, and one of the things that I, I tell my, my, uh, colleagues who I'm working with is that you finish this book or get started on this book. We'll, we'll put you on a, on a lecture circuit and get you on an airplane and, and, and let you go give talks all over the world and talk about this book. And maybe in the process, it'll change your thinking, but you know, that all fell apart with the pandemic. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's the, the 2021 was was a was a difficult a difficult year uh, in the program. We're hoping that that 2022 is going to be a lot better. Got it. So I want to get in a, a little bit more detail about again, it's Tudai University of Tokyo's International Publishing Initiative. I think that that may be you know um, a little bit of a mystery to those who aren't familiar. I, you know, I think people are generally familiar with writing centers. Would you define yourself as a spinoff of a writing center, or would you say that what you're, what you're, the support you're providing um, is different in its nature? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best—it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line—it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different in the sense that um, we have some budget that will help us uh, uh, connect a, a, an author with someone that could help them in, at like a writing center. And there, there is a writing center here at the University of Tokyo somewhere. Uh, that, that that is designed specifically to, to to help colleagues finish their work, and and a lot of laboratories hire people um, uh, to help uh, finish off articles, uh, and in in many cases that that's now gone to uh, offshore offshore contractors, uh, but uh, it, it's still part of the culture here to have a, an English resource person around. Um, but but it, what, what, what we set up here when we, we when we created the UTIPI uh, back in 2019, we, we, we thought that that especially you know especially especially I thought uh, that the, the best service that I could do would be more of, of as a, a, a an agent or a fixer. 
uh, someone to introduce the author to various editors uh, to help them shape their proposal in a way that's persuasive to a particular editorial board. So using my knowledge of the field and my knowledge of, of the different publishers in the field, um, help the author get over the hump of, of, of introducing themselves and, and getting their work uh, considered. Um, certainly you have to have the work you have to have something done before we can do that. So we found ourselves doing more workshops on how to uh, develop a proposal, how to construct a book in English, how to write for an audience that, that's reading in English, uh, even though that, you know, that there are different ways of, of reading in English since it's international. Uh, the publishers themselves have certain conventions that they're looking for. So if the author has a particular publisher in mind, we, 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 we've actually um, uh, put those authors in the same room, either virtual or physical back in 2019, with the, uh, the, the uh, publishers that uh, interest them the most and let them sit down with the chief acquisition editor from Columbia um, or from Cambridge and let them talk to that person. Uh, which, you know, they can, they can do if they go to the Association for Asian Studies or almost any of the international conferences that they might attend. Um, uh, but if, uh, people are shy. And, and, and so we provide a certain impetus and, and uh, um, make it just a little bit easier for those meetings to happen. Uh, one of the other things that I did, uh, especially because of the pandemic, was that I freed up some of my budget uh, to pay uh, for uh, book scrubs, where I, I would ask the author who the most famous person in the field is for them, and who do they, you know, and and then, uh, you know, who do they really wish would read their book, and then I would reach out to that person and ask them, would you read chapters from this book and, and give your comments on it? And then I, I would use my budget to pay a small honorarium. But, but you know, uh, the profit motive was, was, wasn't really there. It was really just sort of a service to the field thing. Again, making it easier for the author to connect with, with their audience or their potential peer reviewer. That, that book scrub approach really worked well for three or four of my, my, my authors who are now um, in the process of peer review. Uh, with uh, with with either the publisher that they wanted the most, or or with uh, publishers uh, that are, were ancillary to, to that publisher. And you mentioned shyness. Um, is that would you say that that was kind of the number one um, challenge or hurdle um, that scholars had to overcome, or were there other sort of um, hurdles that you found maybe you were surprised by that you you know you didn't think about when you were starting out that you're like okay this is how we actually if we really want to help them this is what we need to do yeah well we have a we have a well, we, for a while there we were having a meeting every few weeks and uh and now we're, we're down to uh, once every other month or so and, and we would talk about the various approaches that we would take to different authors and and, and pound our head against the wall together because it, it was just uh impossible to to find ways of reaching authors shyness yes uh, I look there there are a, 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 a there's a minority of scholars who are extroverted narcissists who have no trouble making themselves known um, but I mean most most scholars are are pretty introverted and uh, it's and, and certainly if you start thinking about working in a language that's not your 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 first language 
um, it becomes even harder to to assume or presume that somebody would be interested in your work. In fact, publishers are dying for for what they call content. What they're dying for books from Asia in particular. Uh, it's just that getting that book into the right form it, it escapes everybody's ability to to do without a little bit of help. Uh, the publishers can't afford to pay for it. Uh, the authors don't know how to do it. And, and then people like me and you, uh, we are the bridge to, to, to help them figure that out. Right. Yeah, I think um, it was interesting. I remember hearing, uh, I can't remember her name, but one of your, one of your colleagues who edits the, um, I think, sociology, Japanese, uh, Japanese sociology. Yeah, or sociology that'd, be, or that'd be Meredith, right? At, at ah, the, so, the, right. The so Social Meredith. Science Japan, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Meredith um, uh, Shaw, is that correct? That's right. Uh, so <laughs> Meredith, um, she, she mentioned in one of her lectures, which I found really fascinating, that even it goes well beyond just language comfortability, and there are a lot of cultural um, differences. So, you know, she gives the example of um, couching um, arguments in, suggest, in, in suggestive ways or in hum- very humble, um, you know, ways and saying, um, you know, we might consider, or I would suggest, and you know how that might be understood by the reader as a certain level of lack of confidence or lack of certainty about their findings. Whereas, really, it, it doesn't reflect that at all. It just reflects a certain cultural um, norm, and which, between us, I very much appreciate and think um, we could all learn from, um, but may come off may actually harm their chances of publication. So, there's a lot to co- sort of untangle. Um, for these scholars that I think goes well beyond just sort of getting the words right. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 in, in writing in Japanese is, is uh, I mean, it's really, I, I write a very uh, straightforward, blunt, uh, rude form of Japanese when I write in Japanese. And, and uh, it doesn't even compare to uh, one of my doctoral students uh, who did all of her doctoral work in, in English. When, when, when she writes something in Japanese, I, just, I look at that and I'm like, wow. I mean, wow, it's just sophisticated and poetic. And, and I just like, and, and what she tells me is that her Japanese is terrible now, right? Uh, there, there, there is an approach to, to writing in Japanese that, that's traditional and, and um, it doesn't work in English. And, and uh, there's, there's all sorts of practices uh, that, that just don't work. I mean, it is true that there are forms of publication, especially in, in British publishers, that don't mind um, an inductive, passive approach to explaining something. Um, but not to the extent that, that, that it would be in if it were written directly in Japanese. My favorite, a lot of my, a lot of my authors, they love to end each chapter with a, a, a breakaway sentence, very poetic, that almost has nothing to do with the conclusion of the chapter, and they drop it right at the end. And it's just a sentence, not a paragraph, you know. And, 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 and you, you look at it in Japanese, and you're like, wow, that's wonderful. That's so beautiful. And in English, you're just like, what is that? I mean, really? You know, and these are, ultimately, we all have to figure out how to accommodate each other. But but uh, I think that uh, the American Ivy League university presses are, are going to be slower to accommodate than, than, than we might like. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, you know, 
I personally think that it needs to go both ways, meaning it's not just for the Japanese scholars to adapt themselves to, you know, Anglo conventions. Um, we should all be, you know, um, sort of sensitive to those things and, and understanding. And that requires a certain amount of exposure and maybe training and, and support. Um, but that's something that I, you know, advocate pretty heavily for is that we, you know, if we're already sort of almost demanding and making it a prerequisite that, publications need to be in English. Um, and, and, and it's not to the exclusion of the local language, but it, you know, almost inevitably becomes sort of at least an addition, um, then we should at least be willing or, you know, come in with an open mind to understand that the, that the structure and form of the writing may be, um, you know, slightly different than we're used to. And, and, and to see that as an opportunity to think a little bit differently and not as a sort of barrier, which I think a lot of reviewers, um, I which, agree. And that some, requires some, more, yeah. more thought. Yeah, some publishers uh, are ready for that, and other publishers aren't. Uh, journals are, 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 I think, it's easier to accommodate um, because you, your risk is much lower. It's just 12,000, 13,000 words that you're going to be publishing. Uh, I know that because I'm, I'm executive editor for the International Journal of Asian Studies, which we publish here at the Institute in association with Cambridge University Press. And, and it, it, my job there is, is to try and link uh, both the, we really, really want to publish more East Asian and South Asian authors, Southeast Asian, East Asian, South Asian authors. But to do that, we have to both provide additional support, but also get Cambridge to uh, adapt uh, to the different styles of, of, of writing in English. Now, you, you mentioned before that the publishers are sort of chomping at the bit for this kind of research, which is really interesting because it seems like you've got the publisher interest and you've got the author interest. Um, what do you attribute that to and, and kind of where do you see, you know, what, what are some of the factors that you think are going into this interest in Asian studies? And, and um, have you seen sort of the fruit of that of those initiatives, yeah. Well, I wish I wish I wish we'd had more uh, success to date. But again, the pandemic really uh, just put a, a damper on everything. Um, a lot of people got sick, and a lot of people died. Uh, but uh, I think I think that especially American uh, Ivy League publishers are really acutely aware uh, that the uh, academic. Uh, publishing is uh, overwhelmingly male and overwhelmingly white. Uh, and this is not representative of the world. Uh, but a, there's, there's a matter of privilege and, and there's an, an extent to which the hegemony of the, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to sound like a radical here, but the hegemony of a, of a masculinist, a masculinist, Anglo approach to doing research writing does dominate uh, what comes out on the other end in terms of published work. Um, but I think the publishers are very aware that they need to do better on that. And so anyone uh, who is not white and male uh, has a, uh, an opportunity to present their work to a very friendly very friendly audience. And, and so it, it's, it's sad. Uh, our, our listeners aren't going to see this, but I think they can tell by the, my, my tone of voice and my approach to I'm white and I'm male, male right? And, and it's, it's ironic that I got hired to, to do this, but, but it, it, it's, it's also, uh, it makes me 
it makes me feel better as a scholar of Asia to know that at least some of my professional life has been spent helping my colleagues in Japan get their work uh, published uh, beyond uh, the Japanese language material that they've been publishing on their own. And, and I'm also at the same time struggling to get my work published in Japanese. And, and it's very informative. Uh, translating my book, my most recent book for the University of Tokyo Press, um, trying to finish an article for a particular journal that I've always wanted to publish in here in Japan. Uh, and, uh, you know, this bi-directionality is exactly what we should be doing. Uh, but, you know, Ivy League graduate students and Ivy League faculty, and I, I like to pick on them because I didn't come out of the Ivy League, have this opportunity far more than those of us who come out of what what is, is a little too commonly referred to as the flyover states. Uh, the University of Iowa is right in the middle of America, and, and most of the elite institutions don't ever even think about us. Uh, but uh, we're, we're good writers, and 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 uh, we publish we publish a lot, and uh, uh, it's a terrific opportunity to be here working in an international uh, forum, helping other people do the same. Right? Yeah, I mean, and I'll I'll add that you know anyone who looks at your um, uh, research profile personally as well. Um, we'll see that. Yeah, I think you know. From well before it was trending, um, you were looking. You were looking at marginalized, you know, traditionally marginalized um, populations, and this, this seems to be a, a thread, you know, sort of throughout your work. Um, so, you know, I, I, I commend you for the for you know, kind of uh, being a little bit ahead of the game when it comes to you know social history and and, and things of that nature. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's the only thing that interested me, and 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 I don't know if I was ahead of the game. It's just that. Uh, the people that I worked with as, as an undergraduate and as a graduate student, this this was this was what they did, and and uh, this is what I learned how to do from them. And um, also, it, it, I have I have ex- an extended range of cousins in the in the in the, in academia. And uh, uh, if you look at at the Gertises that are out there, you'll discover a, a weird propensity to being interested in race, class, and gender. Uh, and uh, it, 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 there's something about the family that, that has always been interested in social justice, uh, even though we don't really talk to each other, uh, which is which is really bizarre. Uh, anyway, you, you Google Google Gertais and and in, in Google Scholar, and you'll you'll see what I mean. Got it. Um, what are you jumping on it kind of back? to the nitty gritty of the work that you're doing with the Asian scholars, do you find that you generally encourage and recommend them to write their, to, to, to write in Japanese so they can express themselves clearly and fluidly and then either translate it themselves or send out to translation? Or do you recommend that they try to break their teeth and express and, and, and work on their English and then, you know, maybe have someone come in and edit afterwards? Yeah, it's a case by case sort of thing, and that some some senior people have these have projects that they've already written in Japanese that that really need to be translated into English. That really should be read uh, outside of Japan, and that's that's been my my focus for for years now. That my my series with with SOAS was built on on a translation project, uh, an initiative that I put together in twenty twenty thirteen. Um, uh, so you know. Existing work, um, new work. Uh, there's a there's a tremendous number of uh, ju- my junior colleagues in Japan who did their doctoral degrees abroad uh, and uh, wrote their 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 first 
their, their theses in English and, and want to publish their first book in English based on their thesis. And, and uh, they're amazing. Uh, the, 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 the ideas, the frameworks uh, are certainly, you know, cutting edge and, and reflective of the work they did as graduate students. And then there are a, a, an, an, an interesting number of scholars here that, that studied here in Japan or, or in Asia who uh, either wrote their thesis in, in English or have decided to uh, write a book in English. And, and that uh, it, it really just comes down to the skills that they bring to us. And um, I'll, I'll work with anybody as long as, as long as they have something to work with. Right. Um, I want, I want to wrap up with one final question. Mm. That is, uh, you've got about, what is it? Two years left um, in, yeah. in Tokyo? Yeah, just, the... just a little under two years. I can't believe how fast it's gone. Indeed. It's more than halfway, halfway through. So I'm curious kind of what is your, you know, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next two years? And what would you come out saying, you know, I'm proud that we were able to do um, at the end of the initiative? Yeah, I have a, a project spreadsheet full of a lot of unfinished book projects that we began at the beginning. You know, we began back in 2019, 2020. And I would like to see all of those projects done. Uh, and that um, uh, I'll, I'll be emailing all of you people. If you're listening, I'll be emailing you, asking you how that project's going. Uh, and, and, and again, that's, that's another role that I play is I am the, the nagging mother uh, who, who, who desperately wants them to uh, clean up their room and, and get that work done and do their homework. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, 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 there's, nothing, there's nothing scarier than a reminder that you haven't done your work. And uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure that you do this a little bit too with, with your clients is that you're like, hey, are you done yet? <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Sometimes we need to be a bit of a nudge to get things accomplished. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, is there any way if people do want to learn more, either, you know, connect with you or learn more about um, the publishing initiative? Um, mm -hmm. What's the best way to do that? Uh, best way is to type into their browser, ut-ipi.org, ut-ipi.org. And uh, that's our project website. Brilliant. Chris, it's been a real pleasure um, chatting with you today. Um, I appreciate the time that you've uh, taken, and I think that really it's 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 important and fascinating work um, that you're doing. And I think you know it's really it, you know we get so sort of uh, tunnel vision sometimes about helping yeah. ourselves in academia that uh, it's refreshing to speak with someone whose job and and you know it, it's a I guess it's a luxury for you to be able to have your job as being able to help others publish and that's kind of um you know what what i try and do as well and yeah and so you're able right. to accomplish and, and you probably learn a ton along the way you know i know I that's did. definitely true uh, i get to, so, i get to see the first draft of scholarship <laughs> exactly exactly we get to see the previews and we get to know what's what's around the corner so thanks yeah. so much chris um it's yeah. been a real thanks, pleasure Abby. and uh, look forward to chatting again soon yeah thanks Avi. you take care <laughs>